welcome. Welcome to our worship for Sunday the 20th of August. You're very welcome whether you're watching this on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Monday, Tuesday, whenever. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and welcome to our worship. Let us worship God. Living God, always on the side of the oppressed, whatever their race or religion, always confronting the abuse of power with the strong, gentle force of love. How much harm have we done by calling you our Lord and King? It was done with the best of intentions. We wanted to show that we understood how different you are from us 
just how much greater. We wanted you to know that we were on your side, hoping that when trouble came, you would be on ours. When we were at our weakest, we needed to know that you were stronger, a warrior that no enemy could defeat, a ruler whose word would always prevail. What we forgot and still keep forgetting is the different kind of power that has nothing to do with violence or oppression and everything to do with love. We forgot about Jesus saying no three times in the desert. We forgot about him dying on a cross. Gentle, vulnerable, invincible God, help us to reset not only our thinking, but also the way we live our lives, the way we treat other people, the way we respond to hatred and evil to reflect your way of love. May we be bolder in speaking out against abuse, speaking up for those who have no voice. May we be risk takers and change makers, channeling our anger into action and finding new imaginative ways to change the world for good. May we not be afraid to look weak or foolish, remembering that your strength comes into its own when we admit to our weakness trusting in your wisdom which is so profound that it often seems like utter foolishness. So through us and in spite of us, may your kingdom come, your will be done, and your name be glorified here in this world as it is already in heaven. Amen. Our Old Testament reading comes from Exodus chapter 1. Then a new king, who knew nothing about Joseph, came to power in Egypt. He said to his people, These Israelites are so numerous and strong that they are a threat to us. In case of war, they might join our enemies in order to fight against us and might escape from the country. We must find some way to keep them from becoming even more numerous. So the Egyptians put slave drivers over them to crush their spirits with hard labour. The Israelites built the cities of Pithom and Ramesses to serve as supply centres for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed the Israelites, the more they increased in number and the further they spread through the land. The Egyptians came to fear the Israelites and made their lives miserable by forcing them into cruel slavery. They made them work on their building projects and in their fields, and they had no mercy on them. Then the king of Egypt spoke to Shifa and Puah, the two midwives who helped the Hebrew women. When you help the Hebrew women give birth, he said to them, kill the baby if it is a boy, but if it is a girl, let it live. But the midwives feared God and so did not obey the king. Instead, They let the boys live. So the king sent for the midwives and asked them, Why are you doing this? Why are you letting the boys live? They answered, The Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They give birth easily and their babies are born before either of us gets there. And because the midwives feared God, he was good to them and gave them families of their own. 
and the Israelites continued to increase and become strong. Finally, the king issued a command to all his people, Take every newborn Hebrew boy and throw him into the Nile, but let all the girls live. During this time, a man from the tribe of Levi married a woman of his own tribe and she bore him a son. When she saw what a fine baby he was, she hid him for three months. But when she could not hide him any longer, she took a basket made of reeds and covered it with tar to make it watertight. She put the baby in it and then placed it in the tall grass at the edge of the river. The baby's sister stood some distance away to see what would happen. The king's daughter came down to the river to bathe, while her servants walked along the bank. Suddenly, she noticed the basket in the tall grass and sent a slave woman to get it. Princess opened it and saw a baby boy. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked her, shall I go and call the Hebrew woman to act as a wet nurse? Please do, she answered. So the girl went and brought the baby's own mother. The princess told the woman, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So she took the baby and nursed him. Later, when the child was old enough, she took him to the king's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. She said to herself, I pulled him out of the water, and so I name him Moses. Amen. The New Testament reading is taken from Galatians chapter 4, beginning at verse 21. The example of Hagar and Sarah. Let me ask those of you who want to be subject to the law. Do you not hear what the law says? It says that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman, the other by a free woman. His son by the slave woman was born in the usual way, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of God's promise. These things can be understood as a figure. The two women represent two covenants. The one whose children are born in slavery is Hagar, and she represents the covenant made at Mount Sinai. Hagar, who stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia, is a figure of the present city of Jerusalem in slavery with all of its people. But the heavenly Jerusalem is free and she is our mother. For the scripture says, Be happy, you childless woman, shout and cry with joy, you who never felt the pains of childbirth. For the woman who was deserted will have more children than the woman whose husband never left her. Now you, my brothers and sisters, are God's children as a result of his promise, just as Isaac was. At that time, the son who was born in the usual way persecuted the one who was born because of God's spirit, and it is the same now. But what does the scripture say? It says, send the slave woman and her son away, for the son of the slave woman will not have a part of the father's property along, along with the son of the free woman. So then, my brothers and sisters, we are not the children of a slave woman, but of a free woman. Amen. Well done. If you are watching this on Sunday morning, 
between 11 o'clock and half past 12 British summer time. Now, those of you who know me well will know that I'm not one to follow the football, whether it's men's football or women's football. But I know that there's a big game happening on Sunday morning and wish the Lionesses all the very best in that. Around that, there have certainly been a number of stories of um, sexism. And even that the uh, Google companion Alexa, who will now have woken up on my desk, (laughs) didn't seem to know of the dates and times of those gatherings and has been accused of, of sexism. Our Old Testament story today is one which brings together sexism and racism and no doubt many other isms. The beginning of the book of Exodus, we've now jumped forward some 400 years or so from the end of Genesis and we've been touring through Genesis over recent weeks. We didn't really focus on uh, Joseph and the uh, entry into to Egypt. Remember how he was sold off by his brothers into slavery in Egypt. And that would bring the tribes of Israel eventually down into Egypt. So the promise, the promise from God, the covenant with Abraham of land and descendants was not looking so good. Now, 400 years away from the land of promise. 400 years, a long time. And we're told that a new pharaoh who knew not Joseph, who didn't remember how Joseph and the Israelites had in fact been good for Egypt all these years ago. And now tension emerging and the Egyptians were fearful of the Israelites. Might they collaborate with enemies in times of war and be against them? And so the Pharaoh works them really hard and they are being treated as slaves in the the building projects of the Egyptians in the hope that that would weaken their spirits. Pharaoh then spoke to two women, Shifra and Puah, who were the midwives who helped the Hebrew women in times of birth. And they were commanded by the Pharaoh to kill all the male children at birth. And we're told that Shifra and Puah were God-fearing, not in the sense that they feared God, but that they were loyal. They were followers of the God of the the Israelites. We don't really know the ethnicity of Shifra and and Pua. When they when challenged 
why they weren't killing off the youngsters at birth. The midwives were playing along with Pharaoh's fear that the Israelites were strong and might overthrow the Egyptians. They say, oh, the, the Egyptian women are so strong in, in giving birth that by the time we get to them, it's it's too late and, and the wee ones have been born. And so Pharaoh ups the, the penalty and instructs that all the male Israelite boys are to be thrown into the Nile. Certain woman, we're not given any name at this stage, gives birth to a son and didn't throw him in the Nile, nor would anyone have that opportunity for she kept him hidden for some three months or so. And then she threw him in the Nile, but not without doing it with much care and placing him in a basket making it watertight with tar and placing it safely to float on the Nile. Her older daughter, later we hear that her name is, is Miriam, is placed beside the, the river to watch what would happen. And then the unfolding of events work in favour of the baby, we know it's Moses, no name in the, the story as it unfolds. Pharaoh's own daughter finds and cares for the baby, going against her father's wishes. She finds a Hebrew woman to be a, a wet nurse to feed the little one. And what a, a God incidence moment in that it is his own mother that the child is given to. He grows up in the palace, leading the life of an Egyptian, but never forgetting his Israelite roots. Where is God in all of this? There's hardly any mention of God within the story. Indeed, within the passage that we heard from Exodus, God is only mentioned in that we're told that God was good to the midwives and gave them families of their own. Where is God in all of this is a question that God-fearing people <laughs> will continue to ask and have done through the generations as we do now. Where is God in the midst of the war and catastrophe and hatred that we hear of? Where is God in the aftermath of the Russian missile that struck in a, a theatre in Ukraine? Where is God in the midst of the devastation caused by Hurricane Hillary on the other side of the Atlantic and Storm Betty here? Where is God in the intensive care units, the special baby care units, the hospital wards, the funeral parlours? Where is God? 
Maybe God is seen most at work in the quiet and yet defiant words and actions of folk like Shifra and Pua. Here is a story that sets the scene for what is to come, setting up a story of promise for the baby Moses. The babe in the basket will grow to be the one who will lead God's people out of Egypt. A story of hope and promise of the good things to come. A story of ordinary folk like Shifra and Pua doing the right thing in their lives. Ordinary folk like you and me living out the life of freedom as God's children. Amen. May God bless us all in these thoughts. Life-giving God, without knowing fully what the consequences would be, you let creation evolve and gave it freedom to grow. Risk-taking God, Knowing only too well what it might cost you, you chose to align with Jesus so that we could find new life in him. High energy God, you are all around us, far beyond us and deep within, inviting us daily to join you in the great adventure of living life to the full. At every opportunity you choose life and love over death and destruction, and we believe that you want us to do the same. In our prayers today, we remember those who create life and preserve it, those who work to make life better for all who struggle and are afraid. We share the joy of new parents and those who are waiting for the birth of a wanted child. May they have the support they need to give their little one the very best start in life. We pray for mothers giving birth in situations of poverty and danger. May they find courage and hope and the help they need to carry on while we work with you to create a world in which every child has the start in life that we would want for our own. We pray for those who have chosen nursing as a profession, wanting to care for others, and who now feel overworked and undervalued themselves. May they receive the recognition they deserve and the respite that they need to recover their sense of vocation and joy in the work that they do. As we remember Shifra and Pua, whose names against all the odds have gone down in history, we give thanks for the millions of ordinary women and men and children too, whose lives of quiet courage and steadfast caring have gone unnoticed, but not by you. May we, like them, devote our lives to caring for others and changing the world for good. Amen. With our prayers, we bring our offerings, all that we have, all that we are. We bring our time, our talent, 
our treasure. And we bring all our praying together as we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever. Amen. Our worship has ended. Let us go in 
peace and joy, knowing that the blessing of God, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit is with each one of us always. Amen. Thank you.